Uh, there's a guy named Bob Kaler, who is a big Milwaukee Brewers fan. And, and that might even be an understatement. It is an understatement. Bob Kaler has not missed a home game of the Milwaukee Brewers since August 30th, 1981. He has seen every pitch of every game for the last 38 years at, at where the Brewers play, first at County Stadium and now at Miller Park in Milwaukee. In addition to that, he listens or watches every single away game as well on the radio or on TV. Right? So he has not missed a pitch of the Brewers game, right? And he, he stays, he, when he goes, he goes for the beginning, and he never leaves. He stays to the, to, the, to the very end, no matter how bad they're getting beat, no matter how long the game goes, he stays for every single pitch. He never leaves his seat. Right? You think about that. The season runs roughly from April to September. You know, we're always hoping for October baseball. But, but roughly, that's about six games a week. That comes out to 18 hours a week committed to baseball from April to September. Okay. His season tickets cost him over $6,000 a year for where he sits, right, right next to the dugout. The Brewers even come before his family. He got married a number of years back and his wife knew about his commitment to going to these games. But she started to ask him, well, couldn't you just miss a couple games for me? They're not married anymore. <laughs> Seriously. His father needed an, an emergency surgery, uh, and, and Bob was at the game, and he didn't go to the hospital until after that game was over, and it was a 12-inning game. His mom needed a surgery, and she waited until a nine-game road trip for the Brewers. They'd be out of town so he could be there with her. That's commitment, right? And you might think it's foolish, but you've got to admire him for his commitment, at least. Jesus is talking about commitment today in our gospel lesson. And it's not about commitment to a baseball team. <laughs> it's something much, much more important. About our commitment to him. About being his disciple. Being a Christian. Being a follower of Christ. Where we pick up in Luke 14 in our gospel lesson, you heard it right at the beginning, uh, there are large crowds following Jesus at this point. And, and they're pumped because they have seen some amazing miracles. They have heard some really powerful teaching. And who wouldn't be pumped, right? And that, there was nothing wrong with that. But Jesus turns around and he talks to them because he wants them to make sure that they know what it means to really be a disciple of his. And Jesus says some really hard things. He says, hate your family. He says, take up your cross. He says, you've got to be willing to give up everything, right? And these things, they're shocking to our ears. Because this isn't the kind of Christianity that we really want, is it? Right? We want something easy. We want comfortable. We want convenient, right? We, we want Christianity to be about, I go to church an hour a week, once in a while. I, I give an offering, you know, I give a little bit, a percentage of my income to church. I, I, maybe I, I try to work at giving up a habit, right? Like swearing or lying, right? I'll work at that. 
Right? Maybe once in a while I'll think about inviting somebody else to go with me to church, right? We want our Christianity to be convenient and comfortable. We want it to be on our times, on our schedules, that fits with what we like. And Jesus says that's not what being a disciple is. He says, being my disciple means total commitment. It means willing to part with anything to hold on to me. And that's hard for us to hear, isn't it? This is a tough one to chew on today. What is this total commitment? What does it look like? Well, let's kind of break down what Jesus says here. These, these shocking statements. And the first one he says there, um, and if you want to look in your service folder, it's the gospel lesson. Luke 14, uh, right there at 26. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, it cannot be my disciple. What is Jesus talking about here? Because, you know, that doesn't sound like God's word, right? Because it, it says, love your family, right? Take care of your family. And, and so Jesus is not saying, you don't love them. What Jesus is talking about is priorities. What's most important to you? Right? And, and if it means one or the other, if it means your family or Jesus, you've got to choose Jesus. He must come first. Even before your family, the people he chooses to talk about, the people that are closest to you, that love you the most and you love the most. He says, even they can't get in the way of you and me if you want to be my disciple. And now sometimes it could be that, that people make us choose between, uh, family members might make us choose between us, them, and Jesus. But, but I think more often than not, it's us elevating people above Jesus in our family. Right, that, that first we think of our identity as husband or wife or parent before being a disciple of Jesus. Right, and you think about the, the way that our society is going and, and parents and, and even Christian parents who, who their, their, their schedule and everything revolves around their kids. Right, and, and, and their kids' involvement, right? And so how does that look? Sometimes it looks like tournaments on the weekends instead of going to church. Sometimes it looks like activities before spending time at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus is saying if anybody in your life, right, even family members, the people closest to you, who you love the most, if they're going to get in the way of your relationship with him, you've got to choose Jesus if you want to be his disciple. Jesus goes on. Right? He also says there that you have to even hate yourself if you want to be his disciple. Right? First, it's not only hate people around you if they're going to keep their, you away from Jesus, but also hate yourself. Well, what does Jesus mean by that? I think this is even tougher because we just want to be comfortable with who we are. Right? We just want to accept ourselves for who we are and be comfortable with us Right? And our attitudes and, and, and our goals and our, you know, all of these things that we have in our life. We just, this is me. And I've accepted it and, you know, God just has to accept it too. This is who I am, right? It's that attitude of I'm comfortable with it, it's okay, or I just don't care. Right? And Jesus says, if there's something in your life, if there's something about you that is getting in the way of your relationship with him, hate it. 
You, you, you can't be my disciple if you're going to let it, right? If, if it's your attitudes, if it's your pleasures, if it's your goals, it, you can't be his disciple if you're going to put those things in your life before him. So if it's sports or hobbies or work or career and addiction, laziness, whatever it might be, you put them before Jesus, you cannot be his disciple. This isn't the kind of Christianity we want to hear about, is it? <laughs> this is not comfortable. This is not convenient. This is a call to total and complete commitment, right? And, and Jesus uses two illustrations here. Uh, well, before the illustrations, he talks about um, another thing. He says, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be, be my disciple. Right? So another stipulation. You've got to carry your cross. Well, what's, what's Jesus talking about here? The cross is near and dear to us, isn't it? And we, we have it here, a big one, right here in our church. Right? We, we display them uh, on, in our homes, on our bumpers. We wear them around our necks, right? But, but you know what a cross is, right? It's an instrument of torture. It means suffering. It means pain. And so what Jesus is saying is, if you want to be my disciple, if you say you're a Christian and you're one of my followers, you're going to have to deal with suffering. You're going to have to take up your cross. There will be pain. And in spite of what others might teach right, and say that they find in the Bible, becoming a Christian does not make your life easier. Almost always it makes your life more difficult. Because when you go and you live your Christian faith, when you leave from here and you go and you live according to God's word as one of Jesus' disciples, you're going to stand out. And that's going to cause you some trouble sometimes. Right? right? You're going to be labeled as delusional. Right? If you tell some people that you believe in a God and that that God created this world in six days and you believe that this is the very words of God in this book. You could be labeled as a bigot if you think that Jesus is the only way to get to the afterlife. You're going to be uh, labeled potentially as having a holier-than-thou attitude if you tell your, your friends that I'm going to be late to the football party because I'm going to church and Bible class first. You might lose some friends if you don't go out with them on Friday nights because it just leads to heavy drinking. You might lose a boyfriend if you tell him that I can't have sex with you if we're not married. You might lose a job if you tell your boss I can't fudge those numbers even when he orders you to. You might have a little less money in your pocket if you actually pay the taxes that you owe to the government. Do you see what taking up your cross means? It means that when you go and live your Christian faith, when you actually live as a disciple of Jesus, there will be difficulty. There will be loss. There will be pain. There will be suffering in this life. And Jesus says, if you don't take up that cross, if you're not willing to do that, you can't be my disciple. You see how Jesus is talking about total commitment here. There's no kind of following him. Either you do or you don't, right? And, and it's not only getting rid of anything that would keep you away from him, 
but it's also being willing to take on anything that would result in following him. So Jesus uses two illustrations to, to drive his point home. He, first, he talks about, um, you know, if you want to build a tower, what are you going to do? If you want to build a building, you, you've got to sit down and figure out you have, if you have enough money to finish it, right? right? If you don't have enough money to, to finish the project, don't start it, <laughs> right? Because if you, if you just get the foundation built and then you run out of money and you can't finish, everyone's going to look at you and ridicule you. <laughs> what they tried to do and they couldn't finish, right? What is Jesus saying? He's saying... Consider the cost of following me. Consider the cost of being my disciple. And if you can't do it, think about it. Right? Because do you want people to ridicule you and mock you and say, they say they're a Christian. Look at their life. Then he's got the illustration of the king who realizes he's outmatched two to one. That king would be foolish to go into battle. And so he sends out a delegation to make peace before that war can even happen, right? Same point. Consider the cost. Don't go into battle. Don't go and be a disciple of Jesus if you can't do it. Jesus is calling for a total commitment. There's no half commitment. There's no kind of following Jesus. There's not sort of being a disciple of Jesus. There's not, I'm, I'm, I'm a... Part, you know, a Christian sometimes, you know, at these times and not a Christian other times. It's one or the other. We're not told how many people stopped following Jesus after he said these things. But I'm guessing the crowd thinned out a little bit. But you know what? I haven't seen anybody get up here yet and leave. You're all still here. And that's because you know that this Jesus is worth following. And you know that, that if we focus not on what we have to do, but instead we turn our attention to what he has done, you find hope, don't you? When we focus on who this one that calls us to follow really is. Uh, this, this order of service that we're using this morning, uh, morning praise, might not be the favorite of some of you. And that's okay. <laughs> uh, because, you know, it, it, it proclaims Christ, and that's what worship should do. Uh, but there's going to be this part um, that we're going to sing, this beautiful confession of faith, a powerful statement of faith that we're going to sing uh, in just a few minutes. And this is what we're going to sing in there. It says this. You, Christ, are the King of glory, the eternal Son of the Father. When you became man to set us free, you humbled yourself to be born of a virgin. You overcame the sting of death, and you open the kingdom of heaven to all believers. Think about that. Think about who this is who calls us to follow him, right? Who lays out these really difficult things in front of us this morning, these things we have to struggle with that shock us a little bit. This is God himself. This is the king of glory. This is the eternal son of the father. Who else would you want to follow? But he's more than just God. He is God made flesh who became a man so that we could have the opportunity to follow. Right? This, this, this God who became man to set us free, to forgive us our sins, to open the kingdom of heaven to all those who believe. This is the one who speaks to us this morning. 
the one who followed the way of the Heavenly Father perfectly for us. The one who counted the cost, who looked and said, you know what, it's worth it to save sinners from hell, to give them hope. He counted the cost, right? He didn't come and build half a tower, right? And, and have people ridicule him for that. Instead, he let people ridicule him as he completed the work that he came to do at the cross. And that cross is a monument of God's glory and his grace to us. Right? This one who calls us, this one who speaks to us today, is the one who counted the cost. He's the one who went to battle, who went to war with Satan, with sin, with death, and won the victory for us. You see, friends, being a disciple of Jesus, first and foremost, is about his commitment to you. His total, complete commitment to you to you and to your salvation. Who else do we have to follow? But the one who has done this for us, right? Who else do we have to follow but this one who speaks these words to us today? You see, following Jesus doesn't make you his disciple. You know that? He makes you his disciple. Right? Jesus doesn't say, take up your cross and follow me and then I'll go to my cross and die for you. No. He doesn't say, you know, give everything up for me, and then I'll love you, and then I'll forgive you, and then I'll give you heaven. No. First and foremost, discipleship, being a disciple of Jesus, is about his commitment to you. That he gave up everything for you, to die for you, to live for you, to rise for you, right? And to focus on what it means to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus, right? That's what that word disciple means. It means follower, right? And it's not about your strength. It's not about you. It's about the one you follow, about his strength, about who he is, about what he can offer you, right? Did you hear in our lesson from, from Philippians 3? Or, or Paul, right? He, he talks about, he's, he gave up everything, right? Paul gave up everything for Jesus, but yet this is what he said there. He said, I want to know Christ, to know the power of resur his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Friends, that's why we follow. Because this Jesus is the only one who can give us these things. As much as you love your family, and they love you, they can't die and shed their blood to redeem you. They can't suffer hell for you. They can't give you the promise of life after the grave. As difficult as it might be to take up the cross of suffering for following Jesus, it does not compare to the glory that awaits you in the life to come. And as much as we want to hang on to our own goals and attitudes and pleasures, right? Along with Paul, we have to say all of this in this life is garbage. 
compared to knowing Christ and clinging to him and receiving only what he can offer to us. Right? Not only do we need to be Jesus to be our Savior, we certainly need that, right? To save us from our sins, from all the times that we have, we have strayed and we have not taken up our cross, for all the times that we have put others or things in front of him. Not only do we need Jesus to be our Savior, we also need him to be our Lord. To be the Lord of our lives. To rule our hearts. To rule our minds. Right? To be the first thing we think about when we wake up in the morning, to be the last thing we think about when we go to sleep, and every moment in between, because he alone can offer us these things. He alone can give us grace and forgiveness and peace and the promise of heaven. Friends, who else do we have to follow? Why would we let anything get in the way of that? And so we say, take my life. Take all that I have, all that I am, and bend it to your will. Let me make you number one in my life, Lord Jesus, right? Make me your disciple. Fill me with faith. Fill me with forgiveness. Give me that desire to follow you and to cling to you and to know you more than I know anything else. So how does this look in your life this week? How does this look to be a disciple of Jesus? Well, first off, maybe take a look at your life. Take a look at your schedule. Take a look at your checkbook. Take a look at your priorities. What's important to you? What's dominating your time? And, and take a look. Is there anything or anyone that's getting in the way of my relationship with Jesus? Second, run to the cross. Run to the cross daily. Run to the cross continually to his cross, to the one he carried and he was nailed to for you for all the times that you have not carried your cross and to put others and other things before him. Thirdly, listen to him. Continue to listen to him who calls you to follow, right? Listen to his voice. Hear his love for you. Hear his total commitment to you first. Fourth, pray. Jesus gives you the gift of prayer to come to him and, and say, Jesus, take everything out of my life that would keep me from following you. Help me to struggle against anything that would take my eyes off of you. Help me find you, my joy in you and in you alone. And fifth, be an encouragement to others. Let your life testify who your Lord and Savior is. Let others see Jesus in you. Let others hear words of forgiveness and peace. Let others see you committing your life to the one who committed himself to you first. That one, that Savior Jesus, who will never lead us anywhere bad, who will never to some, tell us to do something that is going to harm us, who always has our best in mind, whose goal is for you to be with him in heaven someday. See your Savior Jesus. Let him be the Lord of your life. 
Let him rule your heart and mind with his grace and his mercy. Let him fill you with joy as you get to go and serve him as you follow him. Amen.